0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 2 of Policeman Blue Jay by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Chapter 3. The Child Larks. Folks will be worried about us, Twink, said Chubbins. Of course they will, Twinkle replied. They'll wonder what has become of us and try to find us. "'but they won't look in the treetops.' "'No.' "'Nor think to ask the birds where we are.' "'Why should they?' inquired Twinkle. "'They can't talk to the birds, Chub. "'Why not? We talk to them, don't we? And they talk to us. At least the policeman and the eagle did.' "'That's true,' answered Twinkle. "'And I don't understand it a bit. I must ask Mr. Bluejay to explain it to us.' "'What's the use of a policeman in the forest?' asked Chubbins after a moment's thought. "'I suppose,' she replied, "'that he has to keep the birds from being naughty. "'Some birds are just awful mischiefs, Chubb. "'There's the magpies, you know that, "'that steal and the crows that fight "'and the jackdaws that are saucy "'and lots of others that get into trouble. "'Seems to me Policeman Blue Jay's a pretty busy bird "'if he looks after things as he ought. "'Probably he's got his hands full,' said Chubbins. "'Not that, for he hasn't any hands, any more than we have.' "'Perhaps you ought to say he's got his wings full,' suggested Twinkle. "'That reminds me. I'm hungry,' chirped the boy lark. "'Well, we've got the basket,' she replied. "'But how can we eat cake and things, witched up as we are? "'Haven't we mouths and teeth just the same as ever?' "'Yes, but we haven't any hands, "'and there's a cloth tied over the top of the basket.' "'Dear me!' exclaimed Twinkle. "'I hadn't thought of that.' "'They flew together to the basket,' "'and perched upon the edge of it. "'It seemed astonishingly big to them "'now that they were so small, "'but Chubbins remarked "'that this fact was a pleasant one, "'for instead of eating all the good things "'the basket contained at one meal "'as they had at first intended, "'it would furnish them with food "'for many days to come. "'But how to get into the basket "'was the thing to be considered just now. "'They fluttered around on every side of it "'and finally found a small place "'where the cloth was loose.' In a minute, Chubbins began clawing at it with his little feet, and Twinkle helped him, so that gradually they managed to pull the cloth away far enough for one of them to crawl through the opening. Then the other followed, and because the big basket was not quite full, there was exactly room for them to stand underneath the cloth and walk around on top of a row of cookies that lay next to a row of sandwiches. The cookies seemed enormous. One was lying flat, and Chubbins declared it seemed as big around as the dining-table at home. "'All the better for us,' said Twinkle, bending her head down to nibble at the edge of the cookie. "'If we're going to be birds,' said Chubbins, who was also busily eating as best he could, "'we ought to be regular birds and have bills to peck with. This being half one thing and half another doesn't suit me at all.' "'The witch wasn't trying to suit us,' replied Twinkle. "'She was trying to get us into trouble.' "'Well, she did it all right,' he said. It was not so hard to eat as they had feared, for their slender necks enabled them to bend their heads low. Chubbins' hat fell off a minute later, and he wondered how he was going to get it on his head again. Can't you stand on one foot and use the other foot like a hand? asked Twinkle. I don't know, said he. The storks stand on one leg, continued the girl. I've seen them in pictures. So Chubbins tried it, and found he could balance his little body on one leg very nicely for if he toppled either way he had but to spread his wings and tail feathers and so keep himself from falling. He picked up his hat with the claws of his other foot and managed to put it on by ducking his head. This gave the boy Lark a new idea. He broke off a piece of the cookie and held it in his claw while he ate, and seeing his success, Twinkle followed his example, and after a few attempts she found she could eat very comfortably in that way. Having had their luncheon, and it amazed Chubbins to see how very little was required to satisfy their hunger. The bird-children crept out of the basket and flew down to the twig beside their nest. "'Hello!' cried a strange voice. "'Newcomers, eh?' They were so startled that they fluttered a moment to keep from falling off the limb. Then Twinkle saw a furry red head sticking out of a small hollow in the trunk of the tree. The head had two round black eyes, an inquisitive nose— a wide mouth with sharp teeth, and whiskers like those of a cat. It seemed as big as the moon to the shy little child larks, until it occurred to the girl that the strange creature must be a squirrel. "'You—you you scared us,' she said timidly. "'You scared me at first, returned the squirrel, in a comic tone. "'Dear me, how came you birds to have children's heads?' "'That isn't the way to put it,' remarked Chubbins, staring back into the eyes of the squirrel." "'You should ask how we children happen to have birds' bodies.' "'Very well. Put the conundrum that way, if you like,' said the squirrel. "'What is the answer?' "'We are enchanted,' replied Twinkle. "'Ah, the Tuxix.' "'Yes. We were caught in the forest, and she bewitched us.' "'That is too bad,' said their new acquaintance. "'She is a very wicked old creature, for a fact, and loves to get folks into trouble. "'Are you going to live here?' "'Yes,' answered the girl. POLICEMAN BLUEJAY GAVE US THE NEST. THEN IT'S ALL RIGHT, FOR POLICEMAN BLUEJAY RULES THE FEATHERED TRIBES OF THE FOREST ABOUT AS HE LIKES. HAVE YOU SEEN HIM IN FULL UNIFORM YET? NO, THEY REPLIED, UNLESS HIS FEATHERS ARE HIS UNIFORM. WELL, HE'S TOO PROUD OF HIS OFFICE TO BE SATISFIED WITH FEATHERS, I CAN TELL YOU. WHEN SOME FOLKS GET A LITTLE AUTHORITY, THEY WANT ALL THE WORLD TO KNOW IT, AND A BOLD UNIFORM COVERS MANY A FAINT HEART. "'But as I'm your nearest neighbor, I'll introduce myself. "'My name's Whisk. "'My name is Twinkle. "'And mine's Chubbins.' "'Pleased to make your acquaintance,' said the squirrel, nodding. "'I live in the second flat.' "'How's that?' asked the boy. "'Why, the second hollow, you know. "'There is a possum living in the hollow down below "'who is carrying four babies around in her pocket. "'And Mrs. Hootaway, the gray owl, lives in the hollow above, "'the one you can see far over your heads.' so I'm the second flat tenant. I see, said Twinkle. Early in the morning the possum comes growling home to go to bed. Late at night the howl hoots and keeps folks awake. But I'm very quiet and well-behaved, and you'll find me a good neighbor, continued Dwisk. I'm sure of that, said Chubbins. As if to prove his friendship, the squirrel now darted out of the hollow and sat upon a limb beside the children, holding his bushy tail straight up, so that it stood above his head like a big plume in a soldier's helmet. "'Are you hungry?' asked the girl. "'Not very. I cannot get much food until the nuts are ripe, you know, and my last winter's supply was gone long ago, but I managed to find some bits to eat here and there.' "'Do you like cookies?' she asked. "'I really do not know,' answered Whisk. "'Where do they grow?' "'In baskets. I'll get you a piece, and you can try it.' So Twinkle flew up and crept into her basket again, quickly returning with a bit of cookie in her claw. It was not much more than a crumb, but nevertheless it was all that she could carry. The squirrel seized the morsel in his paws, examined it gravely, and then took a nibble. An instant later it was gone. That is very good indeed, he declared. Where do these baskets of cookies grow? They don't grow anywhere, replied Twinkle with a laugh. "'The baskets come from the grocery store, and my mamma makes the cookies. "'Oh, they're human food, then. "'Yes, would you like some more?' "'Not just now,' said Whisk. "'I don't want to rob you, and it is foolish to eat more than one needs, "'just because the food tastes good. "'But if I get very hungry, perhaps I'll ask you for another bite.' "'Do,' said the girl. "'You are welcome to what we have as long as it lasts.' "'That is very kind of you,' returned the squirrel." They sat and talked for an hour, and Whisk told them stories of the forest and of the many queer animals and birds that lived there. It was all very interesting to the children, and they listened eagerly until they heard a rushing sound in the air that sent Whisk scurrying back to his hole. End of Chapter 3 Chapter 4 An Afternoon Reception Twinkle and Chubbins stretched their little necks to see what was coming and a moment later beheld one of the most gorgeous sights the forest affords, a procession of all the bright-hued birds that live among the trees or seek them for shelter. They flew in pairs, one after the other, and at the head of the procession was their good friend, Policeman Blue Jay, wearing a policeman's helmet upon his head and having a policeman's club tucked underneath his left wing. The helmet was black and glossy and had a big number one on the front of it, "'and a strap that passed under the wearer's bill and held it firmly in place. "'The club was fastened around the policeman's wing with a cord, "'so that it could not get away when he was flying. "'The birds were of many sizes and various colorings. "'Some were much larger than the blue jay, "'but none seemed so proud or masterful, "'and all deferred meekly to the commands "'of the acknowledged guardian of the forest. "'One by one the pretty creatures alighted on the limbs of the tree.' and the first thing they all did was to arrange their feathers properly after their rapid flight. Then the Blue Jay, who sat next to the child larks, proceeded to introduce the guests he had brought to call upon the newest inhabitants of his domain. "'This is Mr. and Mrs. Robin Redbreast, one of our most aristocratic families,' said he, swinging his club around in a circle until Chubbins ducked his head for fear it might hit him. "'You are welcome to our forest,' chirped Robin, in a sedate and dignified tone. And here is Mr. Goldfinch and his charming bride, continued the policeman. Ah, uh, it is a pleasure to meet you, the goldfinch murmured, eyeing the child larks curiously, but trying to be so polite that they did not notice his staring. Henny Wren and Jenny Wren, proceeded the policeman. Twinkles and Chubbins both bowed politely. Well, well, croaked a raven in a hoarse voice. "'Am I to wait all day for you to introduce those miserable little insignificant grub-eaters?' "'Be quiet,' cried Policeman Blue Jay sternly. "'I won't,' snapped the raven. "'It happened so quickly that the children saw nothing "'before they heard the thump of the club against the raven's head. "'Ah! Ah! Ah! Murder! Help!' screamed the big bird, "'and flew away from the tree as swiftly as his ragged wings would carry him. "'Let him go,' said a sweet brown mockingbird.' The rowdy is always disturbing our social gatherings, and no one will miss him if he doesn't come back. He is not fit for polite society, added a nuthatcher, pruning her scarlet wings complacently. So the policeman tucked the club under his wing again and proceeded with the introductions, the peewees and the linnets being next presented to the strangers, and then the comical little chickadees, the orioles, bobolinks, thrushes, starlings, and whippoorwills the latter appearing sleepy because, they explained, they had been out late the night before. These smaller birds all sat in rows on the limbs beside Twinkle and Chubbins, but seated upon the stouter limbs facing them were rows of bigger birds who made the child larks nervous by the sharp glances from their round, bright eyes. Here were blackbirds, cuckoos, magpies, grosbeaks, and wood pigeons, all nearly as big and fierce-looking as policeman Blue Jay himself, and some so rugged and strong that it seemed strange they would submit to the orders of the officer of the law. But the policeman kept a sharp watch on these birds, to see that they attempted no mischievous pranks, and they must have been afraid of him because they behaved very well after the saucy raven had left them. Even the chattering magpies tried to restrain their busy tongues, and the blackbirds indulged in no worse pranks than to suddenly spread their wings and try to push the pigeons off the branch." Several beautiful hummingbirds were poised in the air above this gathering, their bodies being motionless, but their tiny wings fluttering so swiftly that neither Twinkle nor Chubbins could see them at all. Policeman Bluejay, having finally introduced the company to the child larks, began to relate the story of their adventures, telling the birds how the wicked Tuxix had transformed them into the remarkable shapes they now possessed. "'For the honor of our race,' he said, we must each and every one guard these little strangers carefully and see that they come to no harm in our forest. You must all pledge yourselves to befriend them on all occasions, and if anyone dares to break his promise, he must fight me to the death, and you know very well what that means. <laughs> "We do," said a magpie with a shrill laugh. "You'll treat us as you did Jim Crow, eh?" The policeman did not notice this remark, but the other birds all looked grave and thoughtful. And began in turn to promise that they would take care to befriend the child larks at all times. This ceremony having been completed, the birds began to converse in a more friendly and easy tone, so that Twinkle and Chubbins soon ceased to be afraid of them, and enjoyed very much their society and friendly chatter. End of chapter four. End of section two.